Hey everyone, and welcome to episode twenty-one on, of the podcast. Why does your headset stick so far off your head? Mine. It's on my hat. It's like out here. <laughs> it. I don't know. This is my PlayStation headset. Oh, all right. Sorry. It just looks like a halo over your head because you're you're fine. I don't yeah. know. This is professional gaming stuff. I'll be on the Mortal Kombat circuit soon. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anywho, with the rest of the nineties. Game's amazing. Anyway, not wait, not the original Mortal Kombat, Dan. The new one. That's the only Mortal Kombat. Oh, okay. Three, two. Hey everyone, and everyone and welcome to episode 21 of the podcast of nonsensical gamers my name is matt and joining me on the cast today are my two co-hosts dan hello ladies and tiff hey guys oh very nice gentlemen whatever you want (laughs) so as you may already know if you want to chat with us find us on facebook find us on twitter by searching for the league of nonsensical gamers shoot us an email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com or head over to the BGG Guild, number 2077, and chat with us there. We've got a couple different threads going. Uh, some interesting stuff. Join the conversation. All right, so on today's show, we've got some cool stuff lined up. We are going to do our new top of the stack for the month of May. We have some trivia lined up for Spiel des Jahres because it is officially Spiel season. And because of that, we also have our Spiel des Jahres predictions, uh, which we will go ahead and try to see how well we can guess what the Spiel des Jahres nominees will be from later this month. But as usual, you guys know the drill. Let's chat about what we've been playing. So, Tiff, what have you been playing? Nothing. Just nothing at all. That was a loaded question. I yeah. love that game. Jerk. You mean nothing personal? No, no. I would rather play actual nothing, probably. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? No games? I love to play The Silence. <laughs> Well, it's uh, it's concert season in my life right now, and uh, the school year is winding down, so I've been at work every night until like 8 o'clock, Ooh. so it doesn't leave much room for gaming, sadly. I mean, I'm hanging out 8 o'clock. We could get on something online. By the time I get home after that workday, I'm just pooped. That's understandable. Did All you make right. it through concert season? Oh, it's is not it done, done yet. I oh, got two okay. more weeks. All right, so maybe next episode you'll play the game by then? Maybe. Maybe. No guarantees. All right. Well. Sorry, guys. It's okay. Dan, how about you uh, let Tiff live vicariously through your gameplays? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You should talk about Historia. Tiff, this is what you're missing in your life. (sighs) I hate you. Historia. Yes, I will talk about this. So this is a kind of an abstracted... Uh, civilization game uh, this one comes out from i think it's golden egg games and gioshi or something. it's an italian company um, and this was kickstarted last year i believe the original edition and it came out recently within the last three or four months and i picked up a copy 
um, in a in a recent uh, miniature market order, and I'm happy to say that I'm glad I did. Uh, this game is it's really unique. Uh, the board is comprised of this giant um, track, and going to the right is advancing your technology, and going north is advancing your military. So throughout the game, you're going to be playing a hand of cards. Each civilization has the same uh, 10 civilization cards to choose from in their hand and use um, to manipulate their civilization, as well as five advisor cards that are specific to a certain civilization. So you've got the French, uh, the Americans. There's a couple. I think there's six of them in the game, the base game. So what you're going to be doing is you've got a hand of cards. Like I said, everyone starts with the same cards. And you're going to be playing cards. As you play them, you activate the powers. Um, Moving up on technology and military increases the powers of those cards. Um, But what really comes into play is the hand management. It's really neat how this works because your discard pile um, plays into the cards that you actually get to pull back into your hand. As well as um, there's other activating powers using wonders that you can buy and all kinds of really neat things. And it's a, it's a little bit to get your head around. Uh, the symbolism is very strong in this game. So similar to something like Race for the Galaxy, it takes a couple turns to kind of wrap your brain around, okay, this dark square means draw two from the bottom of my discard pile, but the white square means that I can draw them from the top. And then the one with the X means I can pick anyone. So a couple of little symbolism issues to to iron out, but they give you a nice player aid. It's easy to follow along. And once you pick up on it, it's great. But as I said, you're moving along these tracks, uh, advancing your civilizations. You'll score points for doing things on that track. And there's also at the bottom of the board, there's a small map. And my one criticism of the game is that it is too small of a map um, because this game can play up to six players. And when you're on the map, uh, some of the cards allow you to manipulate your cubes on the map. So you have a cube that represents your presence in a you know an area of the map, and you're moving them, and you can fight. And war in this game is just a matter of having more advancement on the military track. So a further north piece in your civilization. Um, so it's it's like I said, it's very abstracted, but it works really well. And the other cool thing about it is there is a um, a bot system. So regardless of your player count, you can always play up to six. So you got that full complement. Uh, really keeps the interaction on the map as well as on the uh, technology grid. Really interesting. Uh, the bots do get eliminated quick, but I know the last game I played was a two-player. We played with four other bots to make the full six. And Smi and I wound up wiping out three of the bots, but the actual the bot that left that was left untouched actually wound up spreading and technically won the game because you do keep score for the bots using their bot deck. And uh, it's a really, it's a really neat mechanic. And I think it would be great for those who like to solo games, because as I said, the bots work really well and it's kind of, it's really innovative the way it did. So uh, overall, huge thumbs up for me. I really like this game. I can't wait to explore it. I've only played it twice both two players, but again, with the full complement of bots making it a six player game. So it was really interesting. So is there player elimination in this? Uh, no, there's not player elimination. It's just bot elimination. Oh, okay. So like you're not going to get knocked out by someone. No. Okay. How long did it take with two players? Um, with two players knowing what they're doing, I could see this being 90 minutes or less. 
Which you means that it took more it. than that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, both plays I've had were with a new person. So I had to teach the game and we had to, I had to work through the symbol symbolism, et cetera, with everyone. So how um, long did those plays take? Because I pretty no much more than only- two hours. Okay. I pretty much only play games like for the first time <laughs> these days. Yeah. That's so right, that's are. really the time that I'm looking for. The yeah, big now com- I can see this. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say the, the complaints that I read on board game geek were that it was like dry and not thematic. I no. I, I mean, it's like I said, it's a very high level abstracted, uh, abstracted Civ game. It's not like Sid Meier's or Clash of Cultures where you've got, you know, you're building a city and you've got like your, I don't know, the tech tree itself is that grid on the board. So if you want to go tech heavy, you go to the right. If you want to go military heavy, you go uh, to the north. And then if you want to go somewhere in between, you kind of go up and left or up and right, up and right. You know what I mean? So um, depending on where you are on that grid determines what kind of society you've kind of built. So it's shaded in different colors. And when you do scoring for your government, um, that kind of you look at where your token is on the board and you get X points for whatever government you've kind of moved your token onto. Uh, as far as the grid shading is concerned. So it's very abstracted. So the theme itself, you're going to have to draw out. Does it feel like you're building a civilization or do you feel like you're working on a spreadsheet? I mean, either of which I'm okay with, but I just want to know, because I'm thinking about buying this one. I would say a little bit of both. Um, the advisor card. It feels like you're building a, a spreadsheet. Okay. Basically, well, a, yeah, a civvy spreadsheet. Um <laughs> I wouldn't say it's a spreadsheet, though. I don't know. Like, there's Tiff, not a lot open of, up Excel and type as many country names as you can think of, and that's kind of what Historia is like. Stop it. I'm just no. teasing. Um, <laughs> it's one of the better ones I've played recently. Okay. It's, it blows Clash of Cultures out of the water for me. I don't like that game at all, really, uh, compared to other ones. Uh, Sid Meier's is probably still my favorite. Have you played Nations? No. Okay. I've. It's one of... that's. That game is actually the only reason I haven't played Nation is because I don't feel like spending that amount of money on Nations. It's I just it. so expensive to buy that game. Even on sale, it's still 60, 70 bucks. Does Historia feel comparable to something like Clash of Cultures just because? And I. No, it's. Because like it, there's abstract. like, there's such a heavy minis like presence and dudes on a map kind of thing with Clash if I was of Cultures. compare it to a recent Civ game, I would compare it to the Golden Ages. Hmm. It gives you that kind of higher level macro view of a Civ game. Do you like it better? I do. I think all the, there's a lot of expansions for it too, that I haven't even explored. There's two, two variants in the box and there's two that you can get off the geek store. And then there's two they're kickstarting right now. So there's all kinds of, uh, leader abilities that you can do. And there's, yeah, this is more of a Euro feel to it. I should have mentioned that to me. This is a Euro abstracted Civ in a way. If you want theme, you can draw it out. Like I said, you've got your advisor cards that represent the country. And for instance, like the Americans, a lot of their cards have the revolution action on it. Or the French, I'm sorry. The French have the revolution action on a lot of their cards. So, you know, there's those subtleties in the theme there um, as far as the different civilizations and what they can do. Um, I think Rome or Italy or whatever it is. I think they're war heavy, for instance. So little things like that. But. I don't know. I really enjoyed it. So, and cool. I think, 
I think just having that bot system as well, I think it gives it a step up on Golden Ages for me, which is another one I really enjoyed. But yeah, being able to play it at that full complement, regardless of the player account, was really neat. All right, well, I'll jump in here. Um, a game that I played last night, which when you hear this recording, it's like many, many nights ago. Uh, Cal, Ben, and I got in our first game of Spectre Ops. So we'll go the opposite side of the Euro coin. This is a hidden movement similar to Letters from Whitechapel or Scotland Yard, things like that. Um, basically, one player is the agent or who is trying to break into this facility, complete objectives, and then the other players are the hunters who are trying to hunt him down and either kill him or prevent him from escaping. Um, basically, run out the clock. 40 turns is the limit there. So you can either kill him or you can run out 40 turns and win as long as he doesn't escape completing the objectives. It's from Plat Hat Games in collaboration with Nazca Games, who put, recently put out Volt. And it is a really well done game. Uh, Plat Hat is pretty spot on with uh, their production qualities. And this game is no less. It comes with individualized minis for each of the characters that you play. It comes with a really nice um, large board that is the coloring is a bit dark but it's intentional because it's a nighttime facility. And what they did was all the location spaces have this like high gloss reflective numbering on them. So even though the, the board is kind of dark, it the board catches the light and you can see all the numbers of the spaces. It's kind of interesting and unique. I thought it was a cool way to do that. Um, and it looks very futuristic. Now, gameplay itself was super tense. It's very easy to play. Basically, you can move and if you're in line of sight of the guy... You can attack him. Um, the agent is basically invisible unless he crosses your line of sight or ends up in your vision somehow. Um, it's it's that simple. And the combat is basically if I roll a die, I have to get as a number that is equal to or greater than the number of spaces away that the agent is from me. So to deal a damage, if he's four spaces away, I have to roll a four, five, or six. So that's basically the game where it gets exciting and tense is the hunt and the fact that you don't know where the other person is. Um, and they're writing down on their little pad, all their movements and things like that. Um, I really enjoyed it. I felt at the beginning of the game that I was really far behind. Uh, ben kind of slipped past our perimeter and started completing objectives. And I felt really behind, but then we caught up and cornered him. Then he slipped out. Then we caught him and cornered him. And basically the game culminated in like a, almost a stand-up die roll moment where we had him and he was within movement range of the door to win the game and I was within range to to uh, harm him. Came down to a stand-up die roll moment. He ended up escaping. Uh, that may sound disappointing and dissatisfying to some, but I thought it was a really nice conclusion to this game. It was super tense and I felt like it ended really close, which I appreciated. Nobody blew anybody out of the water. Um so I thought it was really cool. I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to play it some more, playing it some more. So I don't know if you guys have any interest in this. I know Euros run the world on your end of the spectrum, but you lost me at die rolling combat. <laughs> I don't know. It's for me. And I know you and Ben and Kelly are plat hat fanboys to a certain degree. You guys love them for me. They're theme first, which is great. They have their audience. I'm a mechanics first guy and their games don't usually appeal to me from a gameplay standpoint uh, yeah. so much. 
So I don't know with so many other, I mean, you've got Scotland Yard, you've got letters from Whitechapel. Like those for me are the, the Holy grail of hidden movement. And I just, I don't, how many hidden movement games do you really need? Yeah, I think this one I enjoy more, one, from a thematic standpoint, and two, because movement is very different, because it's it's a pro and a con, the fact that you, the player can move one to four, spa- zero to four spaces, whereas in Letters from Whitechapel, you have to make a move. If I'm playing Letters from Whitechapel, I know how many spaces Jack the Ripper has moved this turn. If he uses the carriage, then yes, you can get an extra space or two, but I know in Specter Ops it's a lot less uh, trackable and predictable. So at times you do feel like a little bit lost, like you're just kind of hunting around, but that's where your special abilities come in. I was the giant wolf man and I could smell people. So if I lost sight of Ben or if I couldn't figure out how many moves he had made, I could at least, you know, activate my special abilities and try to use those. And Kel was like this psychic person who had precognition and postcognition. She could see where he'd been and she would know before he completed an objective. So it was the abilities that balanced it out. Um, this unique movement system that was a little more random and fluid as opposed to something that's a little bit more um, trackable and deterministic. Yeah, I mean, it, it takes away a little bit of the puzzle, but still leaves enough of it where you feel tension but you also feel like you are making progress, you know? But it also sounds like a lot of the tension comes from die rolling, which for me... Yeah, we, may, we probably rolled the four puzzle. dice the whole game. Then why even have it? <laughs> well, because to kill, it's based... The idea is that the the it's a 50... Well, it's not a 50-50 shot. If you can find the guy, you're likely to injure him, and he's got four health. So you just have to find him and injure him four times. So the die roll is just to add a little bit of that tension where, okay, if you miss, now the pressure's on, but you're likely to hit him if you catch him. So we only rolled the die three times, I guess, because we only did three damage. So we only did three dice roll. Nothing came down to that. Like, the whole game is about hunting. The whole game came down to the dice roll, though. Well, yeah, the very last move, like, I moved in to a space and he had a special ability to stun me. So he rolled a die, and if he had hit, he would have stunned me, and I wouldn't get to attack. If he missed, then I'd get the chance to attack and kill him. And he stunned me. But that was all leading up to the maneuvering that we were doing, where we knew where he was, but not completely, and he knew where we were. So it's this, like, chess match dance around to try to put yourself in the right position to set that die roll up. Hmm. i'd try it just to compare it i just i like emerson and i like volt a lot so i'll give him credit what do you think tiff well i wasn't really interested in the game when they announced it it's just not my style that's fair that's all (laughs) damn what else have you been playing so i had a chance to play forge war which is a new kickstarter release from I think it's Isaac Childress. I don't remember the name of the game company of his, but uh, this was one that was on Kickstarter last year. Um, It had a lot of backing. It also had a lot of high praise. I know Rado had mentioned it was one of his best game, if not the best game of 2014. Um, And a couple of other people had also kind of said similar. So I went out on a limb and I backed it. Um, To be honest, I don't know if I was going to back it altogether, but 
the, the campaign ended when I was overseas in Europe and I just had no way of canceling my pledge. So here I am with a copy of Forge War, or there I was with a copy of Forge War. Um, I no longer have my copy of Forge War uh, because the game for me was just, uh, let's start off with, it was extremely long. Um, I've played two games of this and the, the most recent one I played was a two-player game and it was a learning game uh, of sorts. Um, it was my second play. It was the other guy, Dan, I played with. It was his first play. And this game took three and a half hours. And it was insane. Um, the way the game works is it's another one of my my critiques of it. It's a, it's very disjointed. Um, I see what they're trying to do as far as the, the object is to like craft weapons to go on quests in the name of the king. And then the person who has the most quests points and other points that you can get for crafting weapons at the end of the game is the winner but uh the way it works is there's two there's like two three phases in the game so the first phase is the mine phase and the mine phase is where you collect resources and this is like a strange abstract move your piece in a straight line collect resources for jumping over these pieces i don't i don't know how to explain it very well without taking up loads of time and I don't want to do that. But um, for me, this part was the most disjointed. It just did not fit in with the theme or just the other kind of um, engine that you're building throughout. Um, it was a very tight game to begin with. And if you didn't get the resources that you wanted in the mine phase, the rest of your turn was hosed because there's really nothing you can do. So once you get through the resource phase, you go into this buy phase and it's, this part is a worker placement game, except literally you only get one worker. And so there's limited number of spaces on the board and you'll place your worker and you either take a weapon, you take a market card or you upgrade one of your questers. That's that phase. Again, this phase requires gold. So if you don't have resources or gold, this phase uh, again, is useless. Um, and I found myself at times making that a productive phase, but other times it was literally just like your turn. <laughs> I can't do anything. I just passed and got one gold. That's what the thing you can do. Uh, the third phase is the questing phase. And this is where you're buying quests and then you're sending your adventures on them. You can start with these little adventures that level up. And this is a really cool little mechanic that they did. Um, you send them out on these quest cards and these quest cards have like stages to them. They're called legs or something like that. So you could have a one leg quest, two, three, and then they have these little stages within each leg. And after you complete each leg of the quest, you get a reward. So VP, uh, money, resources, whatever it is on the card, extra warriors. Um, but you're trying to basically manage your resources to send these adventurers with a weapon that you've crafted onto these quests. So that each quest leg has a power. If your weapon and adventure equals that power, you get to advance on it during the advance phase. So it's a really drawn out thing. There's a lot of planning involved in getting these quests and getting them right and timing them. So I, I liked that part of the game. I just, for me, the whole resource generation and the worker placement part just felt so disjointed and, you know, we played an, a speeded up version, a sped up version of the game. Uh, there's three rounds you can play in the epic version. 
and we played just the last two with the speed up through the first round, and that still took us three and a half hours. So I've heard people play this game up to five hours long. There's no way in hell you would ever get me to sit through this game for five hours. It's just, yeah, it just wasn't that interesting. It wasn't that captivating. It got, it just got samey and uninteresting for me very quickly. I liked some of the novelties, some of the mechanics he had there, but it just was not as elegant and as streamlined as I would have liked. So there's other games I'd rather waste three and a half hours on or shoot. You could have two or three games in that time. Yeah, so I don't know who would want to play other than something like Twilight Imperium or something that you like plan out a day to play that long. Who wants to play a game for five hours? Yeah, it's long. And they have a short version. Like, it's like one round. But that was, I mean, you talk about not satisfying. That was just like, oh, we're done. Okay. So this game, I think, is built to be played in that epic sense. And I think that's why they put in the... There's like the epic version, which is three rounds, and then there's the sped up epic version, which is you breeze through the first round, so you get like some of the weapons and quests you would get in the first round, or not quests, weapons and goods, and then you start in the second round, so you're just playing the second and third. Um, I I don't know. It just wasn't. It wasn't for me. I just was not. It was not captivating at all. I actually just traded it. <laughs> Do you think it's just underdeveloped? Do you think it? needed more work or do you just think there's too much there and it's overly complex i think he tried to do too much is my thing i think there was just too many uh mechanics that he tried to smash into this game and like i said it's like three different phases you're doing three different things like and that the mind for me that abstracted mind was in theory kind of cool but in practice it just did not work because it could just become a stalemate in the mind and then you're not collecting enough resources and you got to find other ways to get resources. So I appreciate a tight game. I do. And this is a very tight game, but I think it was tight to the point of it didn't work <laughs> as intended for me. So I don't, I don't know. Like I said, I traded it uh, for Defenders of the Realm this week. So I'm, that I'm happy about that. That is a good trade. TIFF approved trade. So I've heard. We'll see if I can get one more Lonius game that I actually enjoy. It's only standing at, it's standing at one right now. <laughs> well, that's a perfect natural transition into our next segment. So let's just cut what we've been playing there and let's transition into what we hope to be playing. So round two of top of the stack, Dan, you said defenders of the realm. You just got in a trade. Now, is that on top of your stack now? Um, I want to try it. I've heard really good things about it. Uh, co-ops for me are very hit and miss. I like some, I hate others. Um, This one has high praise. It seems to be well-supported and is still going strong, which speaks to, I guess, the replayability and people still liking it. I Uh, worry about you. You worry about me because there's dice, and I've read the rule book. There's so much dice. I worry about it too, but for me, uh, co-ops with dice rolling, like if we – if the the dice affect us all, you know what I mean? Like, then yeah. they affect us all. Where I don't like dice as much is rolling them in a competitive game where it's like, okay, you're rolling really well. I'm rolling really bad. You have the advantage kind of thing. So that's where dice and I don't get along so well because they don't like me. Um, in a co-op, it's fine because <clears throat> you're going you're gonna to live or die together. So okay. if someone's rolling well, it benefits the team. If someone's rolling bad, 
someone else can hopefully pick you up. So I'm I'm interested to try it. A lot of cool miniatures in it. So yeah. We'll see. I hope you like it. What do you get going, Matt? Um. Well, I do. I dare say that I want to play more Specter Ops. Uh, that's definitely on top of my stack now. Although it's Ben's game, so uh, I'm gonna have to keep being friends with him a little bit longer to get more plays in that. You guys go on dates. We do. We do. You gotta You're have a gaming buddy. You're more than friends. We're very, very close. You're gaming just... lovers. Okay. Took it one step too it's far. Getting Dan. a little, getting a little hot in here oh, that's, God, from, that's from the candles that just burned out from your dinner date last night yeah <laughs> we didn't have time to blow them out anyway uh another game that is on the top of my stack is madeira so madeira is a game from the designers of panamax and it was actually an earlier title from them and i what i hear is that it is ridiculously heavy um it's supposed to be worker placement it's got some dice aspects in there um i don't know if it is it do you guys know is it specifically dice worker placement um i don't know for sure okay um but either way i picked this up on clearance for 15 dollars at our game store and couldn't resist i've heard good reviews about it even though it sounds like it's it's going to be a tough one to get through um and it's from designers who I I played Panamax, so I consider that at least a vetted design to some extent. So it was really a no-brainer to pick it up. $15 is, you know, less expensive than some of the, the light card games I play. So to get a $60 game for that deal, I snagged it, and it is sitting on top of my stack. It is, I think, one of the only games whose rulebook I haven't tried to read yet. So I'm going to have to take some time to get through that, but hopefully get it in this month. Yeah, that's one that I was like, oh, this, like, a lot of people are saying good stuff about this one. And then I was like, that might be too heavy for me. So I'll be curious to see. Well, I mean, if Dan can sit through a five hour game of a game he doesn't like, I figure I might be able to rope him into like three hours of mind numbing worker placement. I'll play Madeira. Hell yeah. I'm not opposed to that. It's a year. I oh, figured I have opponents. That's why it was also a no-brainer. It's like, I, I have people who will gladly play this with me. So, if I could just get them to read the rule book. <laughs> Give me the rule book. I'll read it. Yeah, but it's one of those games where I kind of want to... I want to know what the hell's going on. <laughs> I want to know what's going on because I'm sure it's going to be a bear to teach. I was going to say, like, I think the older I get, the less willing I am to sit through a game I don't like. I hate this about me, but I've been noticing it happening more and more at my game nights where I'm like, if I don't like the game, I'm a jerk about it. I wish I could stop doing that. Sorry, game group, if you're listening. I just don't have any patience anymore. Too old. That's like we talked about last time. Like, first impression is so important. And whether right or wrong to judge a game on your first impressions there's so many games to play and if you don't like your first play if someone makes you play a second time it's like eh, eh. you know i'll usually i'll usually cave and you know try it again because i don't i don't i don't like to write something off with less than three plays if i can help it but like you said if there's something you just really don't like and you don't want to play it it's so tough <laughs> i used to really believe that but i don't think i believe that anymore there's no point in playing a game that you even if you don't if you think you don't like it then by definition you don't like it 
So at that moment, there's no sense in wasting time or having people sit through a game with you. It's not fun to sit with someone who doesn't like to play a game. I'm no fun when I don't like a game. I'm a jerk. And it's not fun to sit through someone who's just who's who's entertaining you and like doing you a favor. And they're just sitting there like, Ugh. I got us off Suffering. on a tangent here, but yeah. Well, then, Tiff, tell us about the top of your stack. What do you like and what do you want to play? Well, I feel like this top of the stack segment is just the like me feeling guilty for never playing my game segment. We might as well just call it that. Tiff feels guilty for 15 minutes because she doesn't play any of her games segment. <laughs> this segment is here to hold you accountable. Yeah, well, it's not working because I haven't played anything from my last top of the stack. <laughs> and that's why I don't I... think I have either. Yeah, so I finished mine. Shut up, Dan. No one likes you. <laughs> uh, so I put Luchador Mexican Wrestling Dice. Now, this isn't because no effort was made. I literally brought this to every gaming thing that I went to since the last Top of the Stack. And I, and if anybody was like, hey, Tiff, what do you want to play? I'm like, Luchador Mexican Wrestling Dice. But here's the thing. <laughs> if you're not like into wrestling, it might not seem appealing. And you need to have either two players or four players. So, yeah, yeah, it just, it hasn't worked out. I've had a lot of, like, bigger game nights, so it, and we haven't been able to split off or just four people. And I just don't think anyone in my group wants to play this, sadly. I want to play this. Well, Origins. Origins is soon. (laughs) That's what I keep... Here's the thing. It's not going to... Origins is going to be such a disaster because I keep putting things off like, oh, I'll just play this at Origins. I probably have a list of like 90 games now that I'm committing to playing at Origins. Good thing you live close. (laughs) Yeah. So, hmm. Luchador Mexican Wrestling Dice is still on the top of my stack, although it's likely to be on the top of my stack for the rest of my life, I think. Yeah. Well, Dan, burn us through your other two. Um, the other one, and this one's probably this one's probably top top right now. Uh, it's one I've been looking forward to for a while since I backed it on Kickstarter, and that's Penny Press. Yeah, this was from Asmati Games, and it won the tabletop death match from last year. It's a game about um, scooping stories and building the front page of a newspaper. Um, it's got a little bit of area control and some small spatial reasoning on your uh, tableau building the little stories um yeah it looks i've read the rules it's really streamlined and it seems like it'll be cool so this is top top of my stack right now and the other one is a trade i recently got uh, and that is legacy gears of time i've had my eye on this for the last two years i guess since it came out and i yeah, two years ago at Gen Con, I like went back and forth, back and forth if I was going to buy it. So and, many times that damn booth. Yeah, and I just so didn't good. pull the trigger. And I've heard that. I've heard it'll melt your brain, and some people don't like that. But I welcome meltage. Um, my brain loves to be melted. So when we make T-shirts, that'll be one of our things. I love meltage. I love meltage. And stick it on your shelf. Melty brain. <laughs> meltage brain. Yeah. No, I really am looking forward to that one. And I got the expansion too. 
I think you'll like that one. I like that one. And it is brain burning. We made the mistake once of playing that first in like a very long game day. And it was a bad idea. Because after that, we were just like, let's play King of Tokyo again. Because it just it because you're having to rearrange the cards and the timeline gets affected. And yeah, but it's a good game. You'll like it. I hope you'll like cool. it. Tiff, what else you have on your stack? Last two. Well, I thought about putting Penny Press on there because I also got that and have been looking forward to it. But um, I got Lanterns this week and I still haven't played that. And yeah, yeah I know it's going to be good. I just need to get some people over here to the house so I can actually play some games. So that's probably up there. And I also got Dice Brewing a little bit ago. And it's a dice building game where you're brewing beer. So I think that looks interesting. You you guys know how I like dice placement. Dice. I think this one is like dice as resources. So um, I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, it looked interesting. Yeah. So, I've been staring at it. Yeah. I hope it. I hope I get to play that soon. I need to read the rule book because, yeah, <laughs> I need to read lots of rule books. And that's typically how it goes. We'll do a, a top of the rule book stack next time. No, we'll go with your top ninety games that you still need to read rule books for. <laughs> I could probably not top ninety, but I could do. <laughs> <laughs> She's gonna go count now. Too many, way too many. All right, everybody. So that is our top of the stack. Some of the games that we are looking forward to playing, hopefully in the month of May. And now we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Dan is going to run us through the Spiritus Yaris Ringer, and we will answer some trivia. everyone we are back from our break and i'm going to turn over the reins to dan who's going to run us through some spiel des yaris trivia as matt mentioned in the intro uh, the Dejaris awards are coming up and what i mean by that is the spiel the kenner spiel and the kinder spiel um, those will be announced the nominees that is on may 18th of this month and the winners will be voted on by the um, the German jury, and then the winners announced on the 6th of July. So we've got a little bit of a lull, but what we thought we'd do is do a little trivia for the Spiel des Jahres because it's got a storied history. And to be honest, I didn't know too much about it. I've been doing um, a little challenge this year where I'm trying to play the, the winners from the last 20 years and blog about them. I'm a little behind, but I have played a number of them. And I just thought it would be cool for all of us to just test our knowledge of it. So for this trivia, it's it's only going to be focused on the Spiel des Jahres and the Kinderspiel. Uh, Kinderspiel is cool, but we don't really get into the German games. And to be honest, I don't think a lot of us have much experience with them because they're usually these off-the-wall things that I know me personally, I've only ever heard of usually when they announce it. So, Geister, Geister, Schatzudmeister. Yep. Which I own. Damn it, Tiff. Yeah. That's- Do you own Fleets and Meats? Oh, man, I want that. So, yeah. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to rattle off some trivia. I've got, like, 15 questions concerning the award and some of the history and the winners, et cetera, for Matt and Tiff to battle each other out. So, hopefully, it's going to be a little bit of fun and we'll learn something at the same time. I play so few games against Tiff. This is excellent. excellent. <laughs> yes, competitive. So, I'm going to be keeping score. I even have tiebreakers. 
uh, I think I have 15 questions, so let's just go ahead and get started. So, start off with an easy one. In what country is the Spiel des Jahres awarded? And these are all multiple choice. A, North Korea. B, Puerto Rico. C, the People's Republic of Congo. D, Germany. We'll go with Germany on that one. Yeah, I think we'll go Germany. I hope you all learned something at home. I was going to think of a non-offensive joke about North Korea, but I got nothing. Nope, nothing. Just leave them alone. They'll hijack yeah. this podcast feed and Uh-oh. do something. All right. And there it is. There's our joke. So question two. In what year was the Spiel des Jahres founded? A, 1975. B, 1982. That's a wonderful year, by the way. C, 1978, or D, 1990? 78. 78. Correct. 82 is the year of my birth. You're welcome. Is this Dan trivia now? It, What's going there on? There is Dan trivia. There, it's subtlety. Subtlety. Are the tiebreakers Dan trivia? I'm hoping Dean, his brother, will help there me, but I don't know. There is Dan trivia at the end here. Uh, oh, <laughs> so who selects the award winners? Is it A, the Chancellor? B, Tom Vassell, C, a jury of board game journalists, or D, everyone's favorite German, David Hasselhoff. Oh, the Germans love David they Hasselhoff. They do. I don't get it. He's such a... It's the Berlin Wall. such a bonehead. You know? The Berlin Wall. Oh. It's, it's C, I believe. They come from all over. I'll go with C as well. This is true. Um... Don't worry, they're going to get harder. I'm just, I'm just going to say this is very nope. like uh, educational. I'm just, I'm just lubing the wheels here. So, <laughs> do you lube I, wheels? Is that a thing that you? Okay. Can Sorry. I get off this ride, please? Yes, you can. Yeah, you would lube. All right, whatever. So, <laughs> which of these is not a criterion for which games are judged for the award? Is it A rules structure, B sales volume, C game layout or d game concept well given that i'm looking at the criteria in our show notes cheating what they're in the show notes for i the am show too we're i am too right now sales it, volume it, it is, is sales volume yeah although sales volume will spike if you win this award <laughs> hugely like hundreds of thousands of copies it's insane um okay if you're listening to this you probably own hanabi yeah you probably do. So it's four to four. Fifth question. What was the game that won the very first award? A, Scotland Yard. B, Rummy Cube. C, Heron Tortoise. Or D, Checkers. I'm going to say C, Heron Tortoise. Tiff? I heard clicking. You better not be cheating. Oh, uh, cheating. I, I'm not cheating. I heard. You didn't hear. Heard. It's Matt that's doing the clicking. Um, I'll go, I'll go hare and tortoise, I guess. Thanks for the help. Correct. Let's see. Rami Cube was like, I think the next year, actually. Yeah. Okay. In what year was the Kennerspiel des Jahres introduced? Now, this is the connoisseurs game. So this is, I guess they're the more, I don't want to say advanced, but they're the, the heavier games. So what year was that? That was A. 1995, B, 2002, C, 2008, or D, 2011. So this is when they officially made the separate award? Yes. 
because they did start like doing an honorable mention for like a heavier game. No, this is the official not... Kenner spiel. Okay. Matt, did you study for this? I think you did. Uh, last night I did extensive spiel to studying for, to write these show notes. I wanted to, I told you I made a spreadsheet on how I picked my games. That's insane. Yeah. I still think it's 2011 because it was recent. What were the other? I think it's 2008, it's 2002, and 1995. I'm going to say 2002. Tiff is correct. It is 2011. Really? That late? Damn. Back to the books. All right. So after six questions, it's Tiff six, Matt five. I'm still thinking they, yeah, they started picking two games early. Though. Keeping with the Kenner spiel, mm-hmm. which was the very first game to win this award? A, Village, B, Dominion, C, Seven Wonders, or D, Kingdom Builder? Seven Wonders. Yeah, I think it's, pr- they all won except Dominion. Maybe Dominion won, I don't know. I'm going to say Seven Wonders as well. Correct. That's by Antoine Balza. Ooh, we. Oh, wee oui, wee. Oui. <laughs> okay. Since 1978, which publisher has won the most SDJ awards? That's Spiel de Jaris in acronym form. Oh. A, Hansem Gluck. B, Queen Games. C, Robinsberger. Or D, Cosmos. Uh, I knew it was. Uh, I'm going to say Robinsberger. I have no idea on this one. I don't think it's... Say Day. <laughs> that was like what my initial like... Mm. Hansim Gluck. Tiff is correct. Hansim Gluck really? has won... I'm awful at this. Six SDJ awards. I spent so much time on that Wikipedia page. Robin Zeruga was close. I think they've had five. So, sticking with uh, the questions, so we have Tiff 8, Matt 6. Still plenty of time to catch up. Since 1978, which designer has won the most SDJ awards? And this could be as part of a team, or it could be on their own. So I feel like that might be a hint. Is that a hint? No, I'm just saying. I know somebody who loves collaboration. So, A, Klaus Teuber, B, Reiner Knizia. C, Wolfgang Kramer, or D, Alan Moon? Mm, it's either Wolfgang Kramer or Alan Moon. I'm going to go with Wolfgang Kramer. Oh, man. I'm trying to think of all the games. You're not going to think of all the games. There's a lot of them. <laughs> no, I know. Well, I, yeah, I'm just trying to think of like what they designed off the top of my just head. Just pick a letter, Rain Man. I'll say Kramer. Kramer is correct. Follow up to that. At the very least, I had to stay up. I had to stay up to date with with, with Wolfgang Kramer being part of a winning team more than any other designer or on his own. How many total SDJ award winnings award winnings award winners has he been a part of? A four, B three, C five, D. He's designed every game known to man. <laughs> mm, it's either D or something else. Uh, I'm going to say A. Five seems like a lot. I'm going to go with A. Or wait, no, wait. What is A? A is four. four. A is I, four. B is I'm gonna three. I'm going to price this. 
I want to price this right. I bid one dollar. You can't price this right. Get out of here, Tiff. All right, five then. Whatever letter. Five, five is. Was. He's amazing if it's five. It is five. He's a part of the team. Bam. Wow. Oh, because he was part of a team. Uh, yeah, I didn't listen to the question. With both um, Michael Kiesling and oh, is it Ulrich? Uh, I can't think of a name off the top of my head. I did have a list, but I am awful at SDJ trivia. Okay, everyone's SDJ is a acronym for Spiel Sharps. If you didn't know, it is. I'm glad you pointed that out. Yeah, I got you, Michael Kiesling. So uh, Wolfgang Kramer has won for. Um, Torres in 2000, Decal in 99. Those were both Kiesling and Kramer. Um, he's also won for El Grande with Richard Ulrich. And two more. Where are they? <laughs> um, by himself, he's designed Off Ush. I don't know. It's the game with the the big rigs on the front. I can't think of the English name. And he's also designed Heimlich and Co. Those were 87 and 86. So he's pretty big deal. It's kind of a big deal. So actually, um, how many designers have won back-to-back STJs? So this is a designer has won two years in a row. Is it zero, one, two, or three? Can they be part of a team back-to-back winners? Like yeah, when I say winners, I'm always counting it as either on their own or with as part of a team. They've won the award in some fashion. I'm going to go with one. It can't be that many. If no, any. I don't think it's that many. I don't, it might not be any, though. Take a risk. I've already taken a risk, and I'm two points down. Yeah, well, you're going to have to pick something different for me if you hope to catch mm, up. It's 10 to 7 right now. Or I could could just... 10 to 7? I missed 3? I'm off with this. I'll say 0. Sure. I think it's 1, but I'll say 0. It is C. 2. 2! Kramer won it back-to-back in both 86 and 87. I actually just said that. I was like, oh, I hope they don't remember that. I didn't Um, know if you said those years. And 2000 and 2001? And Klaus Teuber won it in 1990 and 1991. Wow, guys. So congrats to y'all. No points awarded for that. So how many SDJ awards did famed game designer Sid Saxon win? Is it A, zero, B, one, C, two, or D, three? Not in my wheelhouse. I'm too new school, you know? Yeah, I feel the same way. I feel like I'm going to get this one wrong. For sure. I don't know. Did Can't Stop win? I have no idea. I feel like I should know these things, but I don't. I'm going to go with... I've, I'm guessing it's a... Well, one. Damn it, I was going to say one. What are the options? Zero, one, two, Zero, three, one, seven? Two, three. Uh, two. It is one. He won for his game Focus in 1981. That was a good year. It was a pretty damn good year. It's the year I was being made. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> and I was negative nine years old. Yeah, Shut up. What up? Okay, a couple more. Tiff is ahead 11 to 7. So it's almost put out of 
And it actually it's might time be to rally. Um, Do you have a ketchup mechanic in this trivia? I don't. I don't. It's Dan trivia. If I if I win all the Dan trivia, I will make the <laughs> I will make the tiebreaker worth more points. How about that? How about this? So okay, sure. All right. Which designer has won both a Kennerspiel and a Spiel, the Jarvis Award? Is it A. Alan Moon, B. Antoine Bauza, C. Donald X. Vaccarino, or D. Rudiger Dorn? Vaccarino won for Kingdom Builder. That was a Kenner. Bowser won a spiel for Hanabi. And seven one uh Bowser. Yeah, Bowser. Because I just told Tiff the answer. It is Bowser. Yep. Well I already knew <laughs> it. But, but Donald yeah. X actually has just won two spiels. Kingdom Builder and Dominion were both Spiel de Jars winners. And Dominion. So B, Bowser is correct. You both get a point. So closing in, two more, plus the bonus question. So In 1980, a special solitaire award was given in addition to the usual game of the year. Which of the following was the recipient of this special award? Was it A, Sherlock Holmes Criminal Cabinet, B, Rummy Cube, C, Sudoku, or D, Rubik's Cube? I'll go Sudoku. I'll say Rubik's Cube. Rubik's Cube is correct. Look at that. Making up ground. Second to last question. To eight. Still a chance. No, it should be twelve to nine because I just twelve to nine. I, I apologize. One. Twelve to nine. Hey man, I'm getting. There's still hope over for here. you. So here's the last full time question, and then we'll go to the bonus round real quick. Uh, how many SDJ winners has Dan played? And by Dan, I mean me. Is it a? Oh, this is Dan trivia. Dan trivia. Is it a nine? B, 11, C, 13, or D, 15? Those are really close together. You suck, Dan. I have no idea. Am I good at trivia? Yeah. (laughs) I'll go with 11. I will say 13. 13 is correct. What up? All right. I'm still losing. (laughs) The score is 12 to 10. Now, this final question could be worth upwards of three points. So, there's a chance. Matt has a slim chance to tie and or win. So, four-time SDJ winner Klaus Teuber, most famous for designing 1995's winner Settlers of Catan, which is everyone's intro game in recent memory. Name the other three games that he designed that have won. Each one being worth a point. Well, I guess I lost, Tiff. Congratulations. You've done great. I have no idea. See, I told you this could be a little educational. I didn't know he designed other things besides... Reading? Fundamental. Catan. Oh, Tiff. <laughs> They're probably in German. Uh, the only other... They have English oh. printings. I don't know. Oh, do they? I literally know zero of these, Sorry. Go for it. I know none. None? All right. So, hoity-toity. Oh, crap. Wacky Wacky West and Barbarossa. Those were his three. Plus, Settlers of Catan, he has won the second most SDJs with four. So, that is our Spiel Trivia with the final score, Tiff 12. Matt making a valiant comeback at the end, but still not winning 
Therefore, in second place with 10. So, story of my gaming life. Hope everyone learned a little something. I had fun making it because I learned a little bit myself. Um, now, what we're going to do is I guess we'll take a quick break and we're going to come back and we will do our predictions for this year's nominees. So, stay tuned. <laughs> All right, everyone, we are back, and it is time to jump into our Spiel des Jahres predictions. So before we do that, Tiff is going to give us an overview of what the SCJ committee looks for when they decide their nominees. Take it away, Tiff. So for Spiel des Jahres, they consider all the new family and adult games published during the the previous calendar year in Germany. So it's from April to April. Is that right? Uh, I think so. I think it's from April to April-ish. We'll go with that. We'll go with ish. Don't quote me on that, folks. Anyway, they're judged on four basic criteria. Uh, Number one being the game idea, if it's original, how playable it is, and the play value of it. Uh, The rules design, the structure, clarity, and understandability of the rules. The game materials, the features, the workmanship, and the layout and presentation. So the box, the rules, and the board, that kind of thing. So those are the criteria that they look at to determine who is going to win. Yeah, just a, a quick note. The Kenner Spiel, which we'll also be talking about, is the same criteria as well as the same jury. So we'll be looking at both of those, our predictions. Well, let's go ahead and start with the Spiel, the Spiel des Jahres, which is the family-style game, um, typically lower in weight, you know, in terms of complexity and things like that. Um, let's go ahead and give... Well, we think our three nominees could be uh, maybe chat a little bit about how they meet those criteria or maybe how they, they may not meet those criteria. And then just for fun, which of the three that you pick do you think would win if you happen to be spot on with your predictions? So Dan, how about we kick it off with you? Okay. My first one is uh, Colt express. And I think this meets a number of the criteria and meets it very well. Uh, obviously layout and presentation, uh, extremely unique, the three-dimensional train, uh, the nice cardboard, the art wonderfully done. It really kind of just highlights itself on the table and it, it, the game speaks for itself. It's beautifully done, well-produced. Um, so both game materials as well as layout and presentation, I think are great. Um, rule design, I thought it was a fairly straightforward game. Um, a little too simple for my liking, but you know, I think it was easily taught and played by anyone and then originality again not my cup of tea but i really can appreciate what they did there i think with a couple of expansions like we talked about in the news last time it really could make for a a fun game for family and casual gamers so i think it meets all four criteria really well uh my second prediction is machi koro um now i know this came out I think in Japan in like 2012, but the German version was released in 2014. So I'm pretty sure it will qualify for this year. Uh, We've reviewed this back in episode something single digit. And so my thoughts are pretty well documented on that. Not my favorite game again, but it is a game that I think is unique. And I think it's, it's ripe for taking that system and, doing other things with it. So I think it's kind of innovative in that way. It's kind of a front runner as far as the dice rolling, everyone getting something on their turn. I really enjoyed the tableau building that style of it. Um, 
again, materials and layout, uh, the art, cutesy, really well done. Uh, the U.S. copy, I don't know how the German copy is. The U.S. copy, you know, it left a little bit to be desired. The first print run, cards being off-centered um, or scratched or all kinds of different things. But I'm hoping they iron that out for other printings. So number two is Machi Kuro. And my third one is one that was recently uh, put out. It's not one that I've played per se, but I have played its U.S. equivalent. And this is Looney Quest which is the spiritual successor in Europe to Doodle Quest, which we've all played here and know and love. Um, extremely unique, uh, well-produced game. Love how you're just drawing and um, kind of using your, uh, what is it, spatial reasoning? Spatial well reasoning. As, you know, yeah. Just your hand-eye coordination. It's, it's just a lot of fun. Simple to learn. Uh, rules are just, basically draw and don't hit the edges uh, just a really good game a lot of fun so i think um i think looney quest for those reasons would make the list so those are my yeah. three and tiff i know you because uh, i'm staring at your list you have an interest in looney quest too for this award right oh i yeah i think looney quest meets all the criteria the game idea just drawing on transparencies and then lining it up with a picture to see if you you know hit things and stuff like that is interesting i like that the german version has like a 2d scroller kind of video game feel to it and um it's really easy to learn and teach from the rule book and it looks fantastic i own it so um we've had a lot of fun playing that when we get it out so yeah i think that one has a very good chance because it meets all four criteria easily um the other ones on my list are uh, gaia just because i tried that out within this last year and it's gone over really well with even more casual gamers it's easier to teach than I thought it would be and it looks really good and it's got some interesting cooperative things in there even though there are several modes of play I, I think just the gameplay is fun and interesting but not overly complex I wasn't sure if this might I think it's too light to be Kennerspiel so um Gaia and then my last one is Black Fleet I know a lot of people that have enjoyed this game Presentation-wise, I don't think you can get too much better. It has little ships that you can put cubes in. The board is beautiful. It's it's fun. The art is great. So it's got a lot going for it. Yeah, I hadn't even considered Black Fleet, but it does kind of fit these criteria well. I don't know, you know, my personal opinions of the game set aside. Objectively, Black Fleet's probably not a bad choice i never i didn't consider it because i didn't really like the game it was but. fourth on my list i i cut it yeah. out other tiff i don't Damn. think guy has been released in germany yet no no i might be confused with the french edition i don't know but well, good game either way it <laughs> yeah it is it's unreleased in germany oops well we'll let you we'll let you do a uh, repick after matt's done so think hard yeah, so my three picks are the first of which is Patchwork, and I was concerned about it being a two-player game, but I did look through the list, and two-player games have made it on the nominees and the recommended list before. Um, I think that Patchwork really succeeds from a rules design and a game idea standpoint. I think it's fairly original, even though it is kind of tile placement. It's never been done um, 
in this like puzzle building Tetris kind of style. Uh, I think structure, clarity, understandability, those three tenets of rules design, this game kind of aces those. Um, layout and presentation, I do think it's an interesting and cool game to look at. Uh, I don't know that it's award-worthy, though, and that's where I think that Patchwork might actually sink a little bit. Um, I think that it's worthy of it, but I could see it getting knocked because the workmanship, the craftsmanship, it's not over the top. You know, it's quality, and it's fine for the game. I just don't know that it's, you know, extraordinary to the point of deserving an award, but, you know, that's up to them to decide. Um, Number two, like Dan said, was Machi Koro. I agree with him on that one, although I think that once again, worksmanship, workmanship, craftsmanship is like a real low point for this game. I don't know that the card stock is up to snuff. There was a lot of problems with that first print run that I don't know whether or not they were ironed out. Dan's box lid only fits on one direction, which is wild. Um, and the game just has a lot of space. Like, I don't, I don't know. They favored shelf presence over kind of functionality um so i don't know if that would factor in but i do think that machikoro kind of loses some points on that although it is a very original um and enjoyable game for this category um my last one is the one that i think that would probably take it even though i don't know that it's going to make it on there and that's viva java the coffee game the dice game um this is a really fun dice rolling kind of push your luck and set not collection but creation kind of game it's got a lot of unique abilities the presentation is really nice with um, etched dice and cool coasters the whole board is made out of coasters and you've got these cool um, little scratch pads to mark your points and your progress through research i just think the viva java over what viva java overall is a really well put together game and it is released in germany and they have a really cool box i, I really better in germany i think personally yeah i like the the german version i can't seem to find it anywhere but uh it is definitely a quality game and that i think that fits this category really well i would be really excited to see it make it on there because i don't know that it's one that you would first think of but yeah i think that that would be a good pick so Let's go ahead and go back since Tiff didn't do her research well enough. Uh, Gaia is not released in Germany. Tiff, what would a replacement pick be for Gaia? Well, I mean, I guess my second pick, I agree with Dan that it's probably Cult Express. Just presentation-wise, it's it's unique for sure. I don't know if programmed movement is so you know original, but definitely the way they put it together is. Yeah. Well, so for you guys, out of your three picks, what do you think would win? If you happen to have hit the nail on the head, what would you pick or what do you think would win? Me? If I'm going out on a limb, I'm going to I'm gonna go with Colt Express that just actually won, the I think, the Cannes Festival Award in France. So I'm not sure if they gave it a little bump because it's a French production, but it is a French production, yeah. so you know it's going to be really well done so that might give it a bump in germany too i'm going cold express yeah tiff how about you um i i think i already kind of spoiled it uh looney quest to me stands out as the most innovative game um that we've talked about so i think it's gonna if any of those games come out on top i feel like every spiel this yaris they they announce the nominees and i'm like i've never heard of half of these so it's quite possible that none of these will be the winner but um if i had to pick one it would be looney quest all right well so those are our spieldus yaris picks let's go ahead and move into what i would consider probably our 
a little bit more comfortable of our wheelhouse kind of thing, which is the Kenner Spiel des Jahres. This is the connoisseur game of the year. Um, games like last year, it was Istanbul, but it was in the company of Rococo and Concordia, Legends of Andor, Bruges. These are the kinds of games. Uh, Village, Targi. These are all games that have been up for this award. So in terms of the criteria, like Dan said before, the criteria is exactly the same. Um, it's just evaluated on with games that are, you know, more complex, more dynamic, things like that. Um, so let's go ahead back through, talk about our three games, but this time we'll start with Tiff. Oh, okay. So mine three are Five Tribes, Deus, and La Isla. And I'll talk about La Isla first because I think it's probably the least likely. I really want it to win. We all know about my love for La Isla, but the game materials, I mean, it's Ravensburgers. They have their thin cardboard and things like that, so it might not go over very well. And some people don't like the way the board looks. Some people think it's too green. So, it's like a head um, of broccoli. So green. <laughs> so green. Let's play a board game about broccoli. <laughs> but as far as... <laughs> But as far as like, you know, the value for what you're getting there, it's it's a really good game. It's really easy to teach and understand, uh, especially for a Feld. And I think it's it's worthy of at least like a recommendation. Um, yeah. um second, I think Deus uh, is a really good looking game. I I've heard there are some production issues, but I've only played it online, so I don't know how if the German version has those issues or not, but I think it's a really beautiful-looking game. I think the the way they put the board together and kind of those weird shapes on the board really stands up off the table, and the gameplay is so much fun with all the comboing of cards, and, and it's another one that I don't think is that complicated to teach or understand. The rules are really easy to follow. I really think the rule book, they did a great job on that one. And um, the last one is Five Tribes, which we've talked about over and over again, kind of the Bruno Cathala, Meeple, Mancala deal that, that everyone seems to be enjoying these days. And I think that one probably has the best shot out of the three that I'm talking about. Yeah, I am in agreement, and you'll find out that Dan's kind of in agreement. Um, I think that this is going to be either a Feld or Cathala year. They released so many games. They're really high-quality games, um, and I think that they have a good chance of ending up on this list and probably winning it. Um, my three are Five Tribes, Abyss, and Aquasphere. Aquasphere, I went back and forth between Aquasphere and La Isla, and... I almost kind of picked Aquasphere to be a point of contention with Tiff. Um, and also, I just don't think that the production of La Isla is as high as Aquasphere. Um, games like Rococo and Russian Railroads were on the list last year. And I think that Aquasphere fits in with that kind of complexity and weight of game, um, as well as production quality. So I think that Aquasphere is a, a legitimate choice. I, th I think that it could end up there. Um, Abyss... A little bit of fanboyism, but looking objectively, I do think that the weight of the game coupled with the really good layout and presentation, it's definitely a standout um, when you consider some of the heavier games that came out last year. Um, I do think that it's kind of 
I think it's original, but I do think it's originality is where it would fall short a little bit compared to some of these other games, um, just because it is basic set collection. I think it does enough to feel unique, but I could see it not making the list or not not winning because of its more gameplay related elements. I don't think you're going to get a game that's produced better and looks better. Um, I think it's going to get fives across the board. I don't know if it's on a five point scale, but, you know, I think it's going to get five across the board for game materials and presentation. Um I think I'm in agreement with Tiff, though. Five Tribes has a really good shot. I think it's probably going to take it. It's a very popular game. It's very unique, and it's very well produced. Um, whether or not we like it, you kind of have to accept the fact that there's a lot of people who are enjoying this game, and for good reasons. It's a it's a unique game. It's got new mechanisms, and it's all put together in a really nice-looking package. So I would say Five Tribes, although my heart may lie somewhere else. Uh, Dan, how about you round us out? Okay. So I put, uh, two that I feel comfortable with and one that I just took a stab in the dark. Um, again, five tribes as Tiff and Matt have gone on about innovative, unique, well-produced, um, and just one of those games that everyone seems to like, except for me, but that's a different story because I'm not voting on it. Um, but I can't argue that it does, um, it does offer a lot. So that's that. Uh, second on my list is Orleans or Orleans. Um, this is the bag building game from Reiner Stockhausen that came out at Spiel last year. Um, this is a game that I've played, uh, a few times and I really enjoy it. Um, it takes that bag building mechanism that you see in, uh, Hyperborea, uh, but does it in a, a more Euro style that fits my tastes and i think it fits a lot of the tastes on that side of the world um so i think it's it's unique with the bag building um and a couple of again mechanisms that introduces so i think that one's going to be well received by the jury and my last one is kind of a stab in the dark it was a recent release and i've heard nothing but good things and i can't wait to get my hands on this game it sits atop of my want list right now and that is the voyages of marco polo or whatever it's called in germany something something marco polo um i think this is a um a medium to heavy dice placement game um where the board is split in two where the top is kind of this journey that uh you'll take and the bottom has to do with uh the management of your dice and the placement of your dice so I'm I'm going out on a limb with that one. I haven't played it, but like I said, I've I've heard nothing but good things. I've read a ton on it, watched videos, and I this game really has me excited. So I'm gonna go with that as my stab. You know, I just thought about this as you were talking about that. Hyperborea is eligible, isn't it? I suppose it is. Do you think it's too Ameritrashy? Because <laughs> I feel like it fits a lot of these things i mean the funny thing is is that it's it, not it, ameritrashy right. <laughs> but it could totally be perceived as so you know i didn't even consider it probably for that reason which is surprising because i love that game but it just didn't seem to fit yeah i don't know it doesn't have the feel of a sdj yeah. or I a feel kdj better than i feel but yeah, and I would I would agree with that, but I almost think that that might just be an aesthetic thing when I actually think about my own thoughts. Like, why I think that Orleans and Hyperborea are it's so the close. Connect that we talk about with Hyperborea. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah. that, oh, hey, look at this great cover that's just going to have you journeying through these mystical lands, and it's like, here's a bag of cubes. 
<laughs> yeah, it's actually more suited for this kind of award than something else. Um, yeah, I mean, that might it might end up as a nominee or something. I'd be very surprised if it ended up as a nominee, but maybe a recommended. I don't yeah, know. I just wondered if anybody considered it, because it's really not too far off of Orléans, even though theme-wise it's very yeah. not I had German. not considered it. I feel... Yeah, Deus was my number like four. I, I think Deus is my number four as well, and I would actually... I felt I, yeah I don't know I felt weird about that one just because I've never played it in cardboard form yeah <laughs> but I think the Deus could easily be well when a game like Istanbul won last year I could easily see Deus fitting in with that same Deus kind of has thing such so, a streamlined rule set and it just plays yeah. so smooth even though like you can get boned in it but it you can't argue that your turn is quick you know, and your understanding of what you're doing is quick. It's just a matter of developing your strategy. It's a very tactical I don't, cool game. I don't know if it's very, like, clear that, like, clarity was a concern for me. Really? Because there yeah, are some... that game quick. I don't know. I'm not saying that you didn't, but... I feel like the clarity in, like, the there's a lot of text on cards and a lot of interactions there. I don't know. Like, I don't find it an overly complex game. I'm just trying to think of, like, where could they nitpick... And I don't think that layout and presentation are really any problems other than the fact that they can't spell mountain, but that is an American printing thing. I do think it's original and I think it's got decent playability. So I don't know. I don't know where I fall on it, but yeah, I could easily see day. That was one Tiff and I just literally logged online and learned it and then played it within like 15 minutes. Like, which is weird because I usually can't. I mean, I have a hard time learning games just online without pieces in front of me. So yeah. that speaks to its play, like learnability. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, definitely a good recommendation. Cool. So I guess we'll update everyone maybe in a, when the, the newscast closest to the nominations, I guess. How we, how we, oh, we will definitely be updating <laughs> y'all. Um, we would also, I think that this would be a really interesting conversation for the guild. So we'll probably start up a thread there, but feel free to come over, give your recommendations or punch holes in ours because like Tiff just did with Hyperborea, that was not planned. That was all live. There's probably games that we did not consider that would fit well. So come chat with us. Tell us what's wrong with our picks. Tell us what you think yours are. Um, and we will all wait patiently for a couple of weeks until these come out. May 18th. Uh, but yeah, any other ideas for Spiel des Jahres? Are we, are we good? I think we're good. I th- I'm most looking forward to the games that I have no clue about. So Yeah, I feel like there's also that big possibility that it's three games that we're like, what the, what are these? But I also feel like this year what I'm is... more in touch with like what's going on over yeah. there and what was released at Spiel and things like that. Whereas last year I kind of was still, the waters were a bit muddy. and Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rococo should have won. So good. It is good. All right. Well, while Dan is sad about his dressmaking, we are going to go ahead and wrap episode 21 of the podcast on Nonsensical Gamers. So if you want to reach out to us, like I said, BGG Guild number 2077, come chat with us. Find us on Facebook. Uh, Biff has gone around and updated all of our images. So we've got some cool new logos and things that are on the Facebook and the Twitter and the Google and things like that. Uh, shoot us an email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com or chat with us directly on Twitter. Dan, your handles? Uh, I run the League account at League Nonsense and my personal one at Scandalous underscore Ned. And Tiff? I am at Inept Gamer. All right, and I am at Cinnamon Buns, spelled phonetically. 
So join us next week. We'll have Boardcast News Episode 4, or I don't know if we're numbering them or dating them, but we'll have another Boardcast News Episode for you. And we'll see you two weeks after that for the main feed. All right. Bye, everyone. Toodles. Bye.